0: uh, right after Leah was born, it's my oldest daughter, I took her to Chuck E. Cheese. You guys Chuck E. Cheese fans? (laughs) Nobody. nah. that doesn't surprise me one bit. Here's here's why I knew Chuck E. Cheese would have been a bad idea, and if you run a Chuck E. Cheese or work at a Chuck E. Cheese, I'm sorry. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese's slogan is where a kid can be a kid. As a parent, that's the last thing I want to happen in public. Do you understand me when I say that? Like I never leave my house and take my kid into public and and walk out of the house saying, "You know what? I hope over the next few hours my kid acts just like a child." Right? Just no, I'm I'm giving my kids pep talks in the car saying things like, "Hey, um when you're out in public, Please behave, be on your best behavior, um, be a mature, responsible adult. Even though you're not yet, I'd love for you to start practicing and, and doing that. And so that, that should have been the first big red flag when, when they started advertising. This, this is the place where kids can be kids. And so when you go into uh, Chuck E. Cheese... Uh, there's, there's pizza, you know, you order pizza and, uh, there's a reason why their slogan is where a kid can be a kid and not, we have great pizza. Uh, so there's that. So we got pizza, sat down and, um, there's two different kind of areas that, that the, uh, that the restaurant's broken down into. One of them is there's like an indoor, hey, there's like a, wow, y'all look good. Uh, there's an indoor playground thing, bounce castle, ball pit playground thing and then there's all of the games and so that you have to put the tokens in and so we put the tokens in got got all the tokens in my pocket but Leah uh, she wants to try out the the little playground and so worst case scenario absolutely happens uh, Leah crawls up to the top of the playground and can't find her way out she's stuck and she's like pacing the tunnel I can see the outline of her body through the tunnel and uh, I'm like oh man so I'm getting ready to have to go in uh, right there I was at the entrance and there was a little boy at the bottom, getting ready to crawl in. I was like, hey, I stopped him real quick. I was like, hey, big man, do you like skee-ball? And he was like, I love skee-ball. Like, I love skee I love playing all the games here. I was like, all right, I'll tell you what, this is what I'm going to do. I've got two tokens here. I'm going to give you these two tokens. You can go play skee-ball with it. I just need for you to do me a favor. My daughter is stuck inside the tube, you take these two tokens, you can play skee ball. If you would just go up there and help her get out, like bring, show her where the door to the slide is. And here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna walk over to the slide and I begin to yell up the slide. I'm trying to yell, I'm like, Leah, follow my voice. Can you hear me? Come down the slide. And I was like, You go over there and you climb up, and then I'm gonna be down at the slide waiting. So I'm at the slide. I'm bent over. Like kids are up at the top. Like, can we slide down now? I'm like, no. Like, just wait your turn. Like, I'm trying to get my daughter out. I'm wondering where Indiana Jones, my guy, is. That's trying to go up there and rescue her. And I turn around and as I'm yelling up the slide, he's playing skee ball. Like he took my coins and ran. I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. So I'm just I, st- I yell up the slide, yelling, Leah, Leah, follow my voice, come here. Finally, she maneuvers her way through the tunnels and uh, slides down the slide. So we have a pep talk. Never been back to Chuck E. Cheese. Never going to go back. It's a terrible experience. Terrible pizza. Uh, but that story reminded me of something. When, when you read scripture, that story reminds me of what God did so many times to people on earth through his son Jesus. Here's the interesting thing about Jesus. Uh, Jesus did not wait for people to come to him. God did not look at people that were far from him. He, he didn't like start shouting down from heaven, Hey, just, just follow my voice. Can you hear me? If you can find me, come this way and good, good luck. I don't know how long it's going to take. No, no, take, take a right, right here. Come towards the slide. Come, come towards my voice. That's not what God did. You know what God did? God sent Jesus into the ball pit to rescue you and to rescue me. That's a loose translation of John three sixteen. Get into the ball pit. Rescue. He didn't shout up the slide. He didn't say, oh, well, I hope something happens. No, he gave Jesus the responsibility. You come to earth to seek and to save those that are lost, the ones that are far from God. I love that about Jesus. In so many stories in Scripture, we read about how Jesus saved people that didn't even know that they were lost. They weren't even looking for Jesus. But God did not wait on people to find him. God didn't say, I'm at the top of the mountain, there's many ways up the mountain, just make sure by the end of your life you get up to the mountain and you meet me. No, he sent Jesus down the mountain to save you and to save me, to find you and to find me. And I want to look at a story in John chapter 4, if you have your Bible, a really cool rescue story of one of the examples where God sent Jesus to earth for people like this for people like you and for people like me John chapter 4 we're going to look at verse 5 this is a really a popular story Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman at the well here's what verse 5 says so he Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well it was about noon When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, so he was there by herself. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There's all kind of details in those verses. If you miss some, you'll miss the whole story and really what Jesus is doing. The the first detail is this, the location. Jesus was in Samaria. That's a big deal because Jews hated Samaritans. Jews hated Samaria. They were like bitter arch rivals. And so Jewish people did not hang out in Samaria. Samarians avoided Jewish people at all costs. And so in a world where most of the time these two people groups hate each other, Jesus goes out of his way to go to Samaria, to the land of outcasts, to the land of where like, nobody likes these people, nobody wants to have anything to do with them. They're like second-class citizens. Jesus decides to go to Samaria. The second cool thing is he goes at noon. 12 o'clock in the day. Now, this is the desert, right? And the desert has a curfew. If you ever go to a desert region or have the opportunity to go to the Middle East, you'll understand that the desert has a curfew. And when I was in high school, my senior year of high school, I had a curfew. My curfew was on the weekends was midnight. My mom wanted me to be home by midnight. She stayed up until I got home. She's one of those moms. Love her. Uh, And I asked my mom, I was like, why is my curfew midnight? On Friday and Saturday night, Senior year of high school. Why is my curfew midnight? And she told me probably the same thing that your mom told you growing up. She said, Nathan, nothing good happens after midnight. You don't need to be out there after midnight. Nothing good. You're not going to miss anything positive or good or helpful if you are outside of the house at midnight. Now, in the desert, the curfew was not 12 o'clock midnight. The curfew in the desert is actually 12 noon because when the sun is at the highest point, It's blaring hot. Everyone goes inside. Like There's nothing good that happens from about 12 noon to about 5 in the afternoon. It's so hot that everybody goes inside. Now, they'll work until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. They'll get up really early in the morning. In this context, uh, the women that were drawing water from the well, they would get up really early in the morning while it was still cool and get water. Or they would come really late in the evening, 8, 9 o'clock, and draw water that they needed. And so for someone to be at the well at 12 o'clock noon, they were breaking curfew. This would have been someone that that most people would have said, hey, there's nothing good going on at the well at 12 noon. (laughs) There's no reason for you to be out there at the well at 12 noon. But this is where Jesus found himself. And the story says there was also a woman that Jesus found there as well. Now, while all of the good girls... The responsible girls, the wholesome girls, were at home during the desert curfew. This girl was out. And for a girl to be out after curfew in the desert, we learn that she actually had a reason to be out. She had a past. She had made some mistakes. She had done some things in her life where she was accustomed to everyone in the town. Every time they saw her, they would talk bad about her. They would make fun of her. They would pick up stones to throw at her, verbally, behind her back, giggling and pointing at her, and overall just judging her. And this girl ultimately got tired of it. She was like, I don't want to go to the well early in the morning because all the other women will be there and they'll judge me. I don't want to go late at night because all of the people will be there and they'll point and judge and ridicule and shame me and guilt me and pick up stones and throw them at me, so I'll go at 12 o'clock noon. When no one else will be there. When all of the good girls are inside taking a break, I'll go out so I don't have to face the ridicule. So that I don't have to face the shame. Everyone in this culture would have known that 12 o'clock brings certain people to the well. You know who else knew that? Jesus. Jesus chose to show up to the well. Not at 9 in the morning and not at 9 in the evening, but in the very middle of the day. That's why he showed up there when he did, because God's plan is not that you and I would have to work hard and try to find him. God's plan was that he would send Jesus to find you, to look for you. And here's something we notice about Jesus. First point that I want to kind of pull from this story. I know this is going to challenge you, challenge kind of my upbringing and kind of my thought and my philosophy on life, but here it is. For Jesus, being at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people was oftentimes the right thing. Your mom ever tell you that? Like, I don't want you to be around the wrong people. Don't be there at the wrong place at the wrong time. Nothing good happens when you break curfew. Nothing good happens in those places. Constantly in Scripture, religious people were looking at where Jesus hung out, who he was with, and what he was doing, and they would say, hey, Jesus, bro, listen, you're at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. They would look at Jesus and say, hey, listen, you don't, you don't need to be there, especially at that time. You don't need to be hanging out with it. What were you doing there? Do you know what could happen to you if you begin to be associated with these people? If they say something or, or they see you together, and so Jesus was constantly being told, you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. But here's something interesting when you look at Scripture. It's kind of left me scratching my head during this week because I, I know that people say that, and we've got to make sure we're not at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. But isn't it interesting that Jesus spent his entire ministry trying to engage segments of the population that the majority of religious people spend their entire lives trying to avoid? I thought about this and was like, hmm, what's going on here? Because <laughs> everybody else is trying to avoid people like this. But Jesus goes out of his way to seek people like this. Shows up at the wrong place at the wrong time to find the wrong people so that they can experience life change through Jesus. While he's there, I want you to notice what Jesus does. Jesus is the one that initiates the conversation. This woman, at 12 o'clock noon, the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong person, showed up at the well, and she was only interested in getting some water. She was not looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for her. You have friends, I have friends and family. They are not looking for Jesus. But they need to know that Jesus is looking for them. It's the same thing for me and you today. Same thing, Jesus is pursuing you no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past is filled up, no matter how many times you've been running away and trying to avoid him, just like the woman at the well at 12 noon, the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong person. Jesus was looking for her relentlessly pursuing a relationship so that she could be reconciled back to God. And you can tell that this woman was not looking for Jesus Because when Jesus sparked up the conversation and tried to initiate it a little bit, like you could tell she woke up that morning and put her sassy pants on. She was a little bit feisty. She was like, why are you asking me for water? Like, you can get your own water. Like, why are you even talking to me? You know, she was not looking, not even for a conversation, not even for Jesus to say anything. And she responds in in that way. And I love this because Jesus responds to her in a way that only Jesus can. Only Jesus could pull this off, okay? In verse 10, this is, this is how he responds. Jesus answered her, if you The girl looks at him and says, Why, why, are, you, why are you asking me? Why, why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for some water? Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus I I tell you that Jesus is the only one that can do this because, ladies, if a guy ever comes up to you and says what Jesus just says, you need to run. If a guy ever comes up to you and says, (laughs) you obviously don't understand the gift of God that is standing in front of you right now. If your guy says that, say, look, can I have the receipt for that gift? Because I'm going to take that back and get that money back. That's the wrong size for you. But Jesus could say that. Jesus could say that because of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave the gift of his son. Jesus was the literal gift. This was not a pickup line. This was not him trying to be all puffed up and arrogant. Like He's just literally stating, this is why I'm here. If you would understand that God sent me here for people like you, not to quench your physical thirst, but to get to something that's so much more more deeper in your life than you would be the one asking me for the water that i have only jesus could say that verse 11 here's how she responds sir the woman says you have nothing to draw with you got you got no bucket to send down to the bottom of the well and this well is deep where can you get this living water Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me if I could get you some, and I'd give you some water. And the woman looks at Jesus and is like, how are you going to get the water? You don't have a bucket. Like the well was about putting a rope on a bucket and sending the bucket down and pulling the bucket back up, and it would be filled with water. And this is a really deep well. This is not just like you can't just lean over the side and scoop you some out. And so she looks at Jesus, how are you going to get me some water? You don't even have a bucket. You don't even have anything to draw from. There's no way you can get water out. And if there's no way you can get any water out, then there's no way you can help me. Go down to verse 13. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again from the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In typical Jesus form, Jesus turns the question on her. She looks at Jesus and says, Without a bucket, you can't get any water out, so how are you going to help me? And Jesus looks at her and says, if a bucket is my problem, then why do you have it and you're still here thirsty? If the bucket is such a big deal, then why are you still here unhappy holding a big bucket? Why are you still thirsty? If the key to not being thirsty, if the key to meeting needs is the bucket that I don't have, then why do you still seem to be struggling? See, she's talking about physical water, Jesus is talking about spiritual water, and he kind of turns it on her and says, look, it would be such a tragedy if you showed up to the well today, and you got some water to drink, while at the same time, you neglected the biggest need that you have, and that's the thirst in your soul, and I, and I got to echo Jesus right there, it would be such a tragedy if, if you came in here today, and you had a good time, and and you liked the music, and you laughed a little bit, and, and you got to interact with some friends, but yet you walked away without experiencing the relief of your greatest inward need, and that is the care of your soul. Here's what Jesus says. Even though the woman says you can't do anything, you don't have a bucket, Jesus says in order to be satisfied, you need to stop thinking about the buckets that you're bringing and start thinking about the well that you're drawing from. Here's what Jesus says, you can either change buckets or you can change wells. (laughs) This woman is worried about the bucket, and trust me, she's had a lot of buckets. She's tried to fill her life with a lot of different things, and Jesus says, it's not the things that you're trying to do, it's where you're drawing the water from. If you ever want to be satisfied, you need to stop worrying about what you're trying to fill and start asking yourself, what am I trying to fill my life with? Because you can try a bunch of different buckets. This woman tried a a bunch of different buckets, focused on a physical need, and yet she was still empty. This woman came up to Jesus and said, I'm thirsty. And Jesus said, yeah, and you're hopeless too. What are you going to do about that? Hey, Jesus, it's really hot out here. And Jesus said, yeah, it's hot in hell too, but I can help you out. This woman looks at Jesus and says, man, I'm just super tired of coming here. And the ridicule and the shame and the guilt, I'm just tired of it. And Jesus says, I know you're tired. You know what else is tired? Your soul is tired. Like to your core, you are tired and weary. You need more than a good night's sleep. You need rest for your soul. And you and I can get trapped into thinking that same thing. You and I can get trapped into thinking, man, I, I, just, I need a new bucket, Right? If I just had a new relationship, if I had a new marriage, if I had more money, if I had a different job, if I had more education, if I lived in a bigger house, if I had a different upbringing, right? if I had different parents, if my kids were different, if I had kids, if I had more kids, if I had a different situation in my life, then things would be so much better. And that's exactly what this woman did. She said, oh man, if I could just have more if I could just draw with another, if I had a bigger bucket, if I had a bucket with a spout on it, I wouldn't have to, if I, if I had an easier bucket to carry, then my life would be so much easier. And Jesus says, why are you focused on the bucket when you're drawing water from the wrong well? When you're drinking the wrong thing, it doesn't matter what your cup looks like. It doesn't matter what your bucket, how many you have, how big it has, if it has a handle on it, if it's heavy or light. Where are you drawing your water from? Jesus has the ability to look past the buckets in our life and get down to our soul. Get down to what really matters the most. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Interesting, she still doesn't get it right (laughs) Jesus is talking about living water and you'll never thirst again. It's like this drink that you can drink. It's like the ultimate Gatorade, like it's a thirst quencher. Like you drink this one time and you'll never have to go to the well. You'll never have to carry this heavy jar on your shoulder to the well in the middle of the day. And Jesus is talking about spiritual water and the well that is in him, that's the salvation, that it can only come through him. And this woman's like, Can I have a glass of that? Can you put some ice in it too? There's a little bit just just and, and I, I love how I like her transparency but I love Jesus's response. Jesus didn't look at her and, and like shake his head like normal religious people but are you serious? You're clueless. What a dumb question. Are you ever going to get it? How long have we got to stand out here? How many times do I have to say you don't need water from the well that you need the living water? Jesus doesn't ridicule her for not knowing the right answers. I love the transparency of the woman. There, there are no stupid questions. And if you're here today and you're curious, I want to encourage you keep asking, keep seeking, keep praying, keep reading your Bible, keep seeking who the real Jesus is. God's not offended because you don't know the right questions to ask, God's not upset because you don't know all the right answers. God's not frustrated that you may have heard this message a hundred times, but it's still not clicking, or you're still not living it out, or there's still holes, or like you're still focused on something that doesn't really matter. No. The example that Jesus gives here, not only about her transparency, but his response, is it should be an incredible encouragement for those of you that are still seeking and still asking, Who is this Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to have your life changed by him? I mentioned earlier this woman had a past. She had some baggage that she was carrying around with her. This was a, a reputation that caused her a lot of regret and shame. Some things that she had done in the past. And in these next verses, we're going to see exactly what she did. Verse 16, she asked Jesus, you know, I want, I want this water. Tell me about this water. Tell me about this fulfillment. Give me, give me a glass of it right now with some ice. Here's what Jesus did. He told her, go, call your husband and come back here. Go get your husband, bring him, and come back here and meet me. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. (laughs) Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. (laughs) I can't even process that, right? Like a random stranger comes up to you that you've never met and starts telling you things that you've never told anybody before. Like, innermost parts of your life and this random stranger comes up and here's the response, verse 19 Sir, the woman said I can see that you're a prophet <laughs> I want to know how long the pause was between verse 18 and 19, they don't put that in the scripture but like, when Jesus <laughs> drops that <laughs> drops that word on her, she's like oh yeah, no, you're right, you, you actually have five husbands and the guy you're with now is not your husband, because I mean, shoot, you've been married five times, why get married six, that one's probably not going to work either And I don't know how long it took the woman to be like, oh, okay. But in 19, like a long pause, Jesus like, "You guys, you got something to say?" This woman says, "Huh, I can see. you. Like, you got some? Are you a fortune teller? You got some? Are you a wizard or something? You got some?" You got some skill. She doesn't deny it. Like I don't know if it just caught her off guard so bad that she doesn't deny it. She's just like, well, that fourth one really didn't count. He wasn't a nice guy, or it wasn't five. It was four. And I'm not with anybody right now. No, she just said, yeah, yes, you are right. Like things got real right there. <laughs> like I thought we were just talking about water at the well, and all of a sudden it got real in here. And the woman looks at Jesus and has been married five different times and is now living with a guy sleeping with this guy, a different guy, just another random guy. You know what she's doing? Taking bucket after bucket after bucket. Well, this guy didn't work, so let me get another bucket. And this this bucket's the best bucket. This is the one I've been looking for. This one is going to be the one that makes me happy. This is the one that's going to last. And she draws a different bucket out of the same well. And time after time after time, relationship after relationship after relationship, it fails and she ends up empty. Why did Jesus say this? Was it to embarrass her? Was it to judge her? Was it it to call her out? No, here's what Jesus did. By acknowledging her husbands, she acknowledged that this woman has been in a lifelong desperate pursuit of meaning and purpose. Jesus isn't telling her this to bust her chops. Jesus tells her this to look at her and say, hey, I know how long you've been searching. I know you're empty. I know there's a hole in your life that you're trying to fill. I know that you've been looking everywhere, and you have struck out so many times. And I'm telling you that, not to embarrass you or to shame you or to pick up a stone and throw it to you. I'm telling you that because instead of picking up another bucket, you really ought to consider what well you're drawing from. You ought to really think about where you're looking for your satisfaction and your purpose and your fulfillment and your joy and your happiness because it doesn't matter what bucket you use. If you're looking for it in any other place other than Jesus, you will always come up thirsty. You will always be back at this well. And the 6th guy won't stick, and the 7th guy won't stick, and the 8th guy won't stick, and the ninth guy won't stick. Until you learn that it's not about the bucket, that it's all about where you draw the water from. And Jesus tells this woman, you're not looking for the wrong things. You're looking for the right things in the wrong places. Change the well. Change the well. Change where you draw from. Change where you're searching. And see if you can't find that in Jesus. If you don't change, no matter how many times you go back to the well, you will always be thirsty. You will always come up unsatisfied. And you'll be back at this same well at this same time. The wrong place, at the wrong time, being the wrong person for the rest of your life. Stop switching buckets and start looking for a different well. She begins to explain some things about her life and her beliefs to Jesus. And in verse 19, she says, I I can see that you're a prophet. I can see that you're a smart man. But in verse 25, she says, I'm actually waiting on someone. I'm waiting on someone specific. Verse 25, the woman says, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. He'll tell me where the real purpose is found. He'll tell me where real satisfaction and happiness is found. He'll tell me how I've got so many buckets in my life, but yet I am always thirsty. And here's Jesus' response, verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. First time in Scripture where Jesus communicates to someone that he is the Messiah, He is the Savior of the world, sent by God, and the first time he ever chooses to do that is to a woman who has the most dysfunctional life you have ever seen. And Jesus reveals himself to her because Jesus came for people like that. I am the one that you have been looking for. The woman looks at Jesus and says, you know what, you're right, I'm not looking for water. I'm looking for a Savior. I'm not looking for another relationship. I'm looking for somebody to save me. And Jesus says, the Savior's here. I am the one that you're looking for. The love that you desire, the forgiveness that you want so badly, the mercy and the grace that you want other people to extend to you, it's found in me. The relationship you've been looking for, for me. You're not looking for a do-over you're not looking for another man. You're not looking for another job. You're not looking for more money. You're not looking for some purpose or satisfaction that can be found in something that you and I can get here on earth. Jesus says the only way you'll avoid coming back to that well with another bucket every single day is if you understand where the living water comes from. The beauty is that of that scene is the same beauty that applies to you and me. Did you know that Jesus knows everything about you? Every mistake that you've ever made, every poor thing that you've ever done, he knows that you are the wrong person, living in the wrong time. And you feel like you are constantly in the wrong place. And yet Jesus initiates a conversation with you. God sent Jesus to the world to die for you so that you wouldn't have to be lost. He didn't set up a sign that says, come to church and find me. He sent a Savior to the well at 12 o'clock noon to find people that were far from God and to rescue them. He still offers love and forgiveness and acceptance. They have a conversation. Jesus offers her truth that is only found in him, everything that she has been searching for. And here's how the story closes. Verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then the woman leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, and they made their way towards Jesus. It's not your typical response, is it? The disciples walk up, and they see Jesus at the well talking to this woman, the wrong woman at the wrong place at the wrong time. And initially they were shocked, but I love how scripture kind of throws it in there, but then they didn't say anything and they didn't ask him because I think the disciples came up to Jesus and in any, any normal situation they would have looked and be like, "Oh, wait, hey, what are you?" But then it dawned on them, "Well, that's Jesus." That's what Jesus does. <laughs> Jesus is always in the wrong place, talking to the wrong people at the wrong time of the day. Like I was getting ready to ask a question, but then I remembered that's Jesus. That's who he is. You want to talk about a weird response? The response the woman had. Scripture says she dropped her, her jar and ran off to tell her friends. Tell her friends this, and this is, this is what she does. I met someone. This is what she says. Listen, I met someone that knows everything I have ever done. And I bet her friend's response were, and what'd they do? Judge you? They picked up a stone, didn't they? They ridiculed you. Like they did what every other person ever does when they see you at the well, didn't they? And she said, nope. In fact, she said, I met someone that knows everything about me. And you know what she said? I want you to come and meet him. (laughs) Third point of this story is, man, when somebody has a real encounter with Jesus, it moves them towards God. If you have an encounter with a religious person, it tends to push you away from God. Like, I want to know and love God less when I encounter a religious person. But when you have an encounter with Jesus, it's not a stone that's thrown, but it's arms that are opened. And this girl wanted to know more about the God that called himself Jesus. This girl wanted to know more. Not only did she want to know more, she got other people that were far from God to come in and say, you got to come meet this guy. You have to come meet this man. Come and see him. In Scripture, the story closes with many people in that town being impacted by Jesus and having their life changed. I believe that church should be a place where busted up people feel like they're at home. Church should be a place like, like Jesus describes here, where people that are far from God don't feel judged and don't get rocks thrown at them, but they go out and get their friends and say, you're not, you're not going to believe this. I went to this place today. And they knew I wasn't perfect. In fact, I've heard that guy say, if he finds out anybody's perfect, you get kicked out of the church. And they know that I'm not perfect. And they know I got a past. Well, what'd they do? Well, they welcome me anyway. Well, what are you going to do? I may go back next week. I may go hear it again. I may call that place home. I may join that family. It's exactly what happens when people encounter Jesus in a real way instead of being tripped up by religion. Here's the difference in what the girl had experienced before and when the girl had experienced Jesus. When I was growing up, a buddy of mine got in a fender bender. He ran into the person in front of him, messed his car up, messed the other guy's car up, but his car didn't get messed up. We were like 16 years old, and he tells me, he says, uh, if my dad finds out that I bumped into this person, he is going to kill me, so I'm not going to say anything to him. So this guy didn't understand that when you call the insurance company, that eventually, <laughs> eventually your dad's going to get the bill. And so he was smooth sailing for six months. He called the insurance company. He said, hey, got in an accident. Need need to take care of it. My car is fine. We just need to take care of this other car. Insurance handled it. Six months later, his dad got the annual insurance bill in the mail. And he couldn't figure out why. His bill had increased by a couple of hundred dollars. And so he came to his son and he's like, do you know anything about this? And he finally had to confess. But his mindset when he got into that accident was, I messed up. And dad is gonna kill me. Last accident that I get, first accident that I got into, as soon as it happened, I picked up the phone. You knew who I called? My dad. I said, Dad, messed up. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> where, 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 what do I, who do I need to call? I'm okay. The car is not. <laughs> What's going on? That's the difference between religion and the gospel. She encountered religion and she said, I've messed up. I better not let dad find out. And then she encountered Jesus and she said, I messed up. I want to find dad. Call dad. Find dad. He loves me. He'll help me. He cares. He knows. Call dad. Hey, the gospel invitation is you don't have to worry about a life of guilt and shame and run away and say, if dad finds out, dad's going to kill me. But because of the gospel, you can look up and say, I'm, I am the woman at the well. And the first person I need to go to is dad. The first person I need to find is the father. Run to him. Run to him and have your life changed by Jesus.